Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Traveling Image Makers podcast and I'm your host Hugo Che. My guest for this episode of the podcast is my longtime friend Andy Bitterer. Me and Andy have a lot in common, but one thing that truly sets us apart from many other travel photographers is that we both still have a full-time job, doing stuff other than photography that keeps our families well fed. We take photos in our spare time, but photography is our true passion and our side job, so we try to practice it as much as possible. That often means exploiting every business trip we take for opportunities to visit new places and create new images. Andy Bitterer is an award-winning freelance photographer from Hamburg, Germany. As a frequent traveler around the world, Andy focuses mostly on travel and nature photography, but his interests also include event, portrait, architecture and fine art photography. His work has appeared online and in print, from news websites and corporate intranets to book and music CD covers, magazines and various marketing collateral. I've been wanting to interview Andy for a long time to ask him how he manages to make work, photography and family travel coexist peacefully and productively. Of course, with him being a very busy guy who is often on the road, it took some time before we could find a time to record an interview, but we finally succeeded. If you too are doing photography as a side job, you might be interested in listening to this episode, and as of course uh, he would like to leave us a review on iTunes, that would be very much appreciated. Remember, you can find all the links for this episode at ttim.photo/29. And now enjoy my interview with Andy Bitterer. How are you doing, Andy? Very well. Thank you for having me on the show, Hugo. Uh, it's great to have you here, and thanks for uh, for taking time off your uh, work day, what I assume is a work day. And uh, because one of the the main reason why I wanted to interview you is because we have uh, we have something in common. Basically, we. We love photography, we do photography, but it's not our full-time job. We still uh, have a, a full-time job that puts uh, food on the table and a roof on our heads and our families. So we we try to, to combine our love of photography and our love of travel with um, with a day job. So am I, am I correct in assessing that? Yes, that's absolutely correct. I mean, I think we're both in IT, um, I believe... Almost everybody who we kind of walk, go out with on photography is some kind of IT guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yes, typically you are living uh, well in one place, but you work in another. And that's certainly the case for me as well. So can you just introduce yourself a bit for our audience? Uh, who, is, uh, who is Andy Bitterer? Okay. Um, yes. Um, I want to be a photographer when I grow up, um, but because that's really what I like to do. But uh, um, I studied computer science uh, in, in the 80s, and um, I have been working in IT um, for the large corporations. Uh, I've been uh, a systems engineer. I, I managed uh, product management. Uh, I've been an analyst for a long time. Uh, and during that time, I always was traveling the world, and I had my camera with me at all times. 
So you work for a large multinational company uh, in Germany and uh, you take frequent business trips to the US and other countries and so on. How do you find the time to, to pursue your, your passion for photography? Well, I, I guess I just take it, right? Um, so obviously everybody has some vacation days uh, and um, um, that's when I do some really photography trips um, where really the, the topic of the trip is really photography. But uh, for the most part, uh, and I um, typically say I live in airplanes um, and I plan the trips in a way that I don't just go in and out of any of these places. So if I fly to New York or to London or Paris, or I'm, in fact, two weeks from now, I go back to San Diego, I plan at least a day, maybe two days, sometimes even three days additional uh, um, time into that trip. I research it uh, extensively to know exactly where I'm going. So I'm not wasting time just driving around and finding something. Um, so um, I typically do this on my own time. Uh, sometimes I just you know, head out on the weekend already and maybe do it before or after my, my business. Uh, um, and then I'll you know, go to places um, you know, outside of hotel rooms and airport lounges and, and meeting rooms. Yeah, and uh, that's, uh, that's something that I think is quite common to, to many people, me included. I pretty much do the same. If I have a, a business trip to take, I will uh, sometimes find a way to, to attach uh, a weekend and uh, on my own and, uh, and use it to, to take pictures of new places. That's, uh, that's one of the, the benefits of being a traveling professional, I guess, so when... We'll take it. <laughs> exactly. But the, the, the one thing that I typically do is, um, you know, I, I really research the area when I have not been there. So I've been to London, Paris, Rome, New York, like a gazillion times. I know these cities like the back of my hand. But if I go to somewhere new, um, I typically spend, you know, a few hours trying to find out what is it that I could, you know, photograph there. Where could I go? And I use, you know, simple things such as Google Maps. Uh, and and uh, some of these geo-coded kind of pictures that you can actually uh, show in in that place, or I go to places such as 500px, uh, type the name, the place of the name, uh, the name of a place where I go, um, and then see what other people have photographed there before, and then I try to figure out where they are. Uh, sometimes there are geocoded so it's lat long uh, coordinates and so on and I'm trying to kind of find these places and find how far they are away uh, do I need a car can I take public transport or can I just walk there yeah I think research is essential for us uh, some people like to, to travel and just uh, wander around and get lost but sometimes we have like uh, only two days we have uh, business meetings until Friday afternoon and then we might rent a car or go somewhere with public transport and we have just the weekend to, to spend and we need to, to make the most of it. So That's great. I think research is essential for at least for us as long as we we have that kind of life. That's right. And the, the other thing that I want to, want to add is that um, through, through social media, um, you can actually find people that actually live in these areas, photographers. Um, in fact, I think that's how we met. We were in Berlin many years ago, yeah. right? And we didn't know each other physically before. Um, so, um, um, so you now live in Italy. Uh, I think it's, is it Pavia, right? Yes. Um, 
So if I ever go to Pavia, I know who to call. And um, I would ask you, are you around? Uh, would you want to go out with me uh, maybe an afternoon? And I do that wherever I go. So in fact, in San Diego, uh, where I go, I, a few years ago, I, uh, I knew a guy only from Twitter. I knew he was in San Diego and he took pictures because he posted them on Google Plus at the time. I said, hey, I'm in town. Do you have time maybe uh, one afternoon? And he said, sure. I pick you up from the motel. And I said, Great! I'm the guy with the tripod, and so we met, and then we got we went to all these places like uh, Wind and Sea and Coronado, and so I I had my sort of private guide basically, <laughs> and, and he had fun, and I had fun. So I think that's the beauty of social uh, media to actually find people uh, that are having the same passion as you, uh, and then uh, they basically just tell you where to go and. Um, and you have a great time, and then you have drinks, and then you, know, you part ways. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've done that same uh, number of times. Like when I'm going somewhere, I always try to to see if, if I have some some friends or even some acquaintances uh, from from social media that I can contact and ask them at least information, or maybe if they would like to go out shoot. And and what I love doing, especially, is uh, is doing the same when people come to Italy. Uh, I've done uh, acted as a kind of a guide and scout for for people who have come to Italy and, uh, and wanted to visit the country, and I brought them to to places. It's uh, it's a great way to to really know people. So if anybody is listening and want to come to Italy, just contact me. I will <laughs> I will show you around, and you included. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, we always wanted to go to Cinque Terre. Yeah. I've been there many many years ago, but um, I need to really need to go back to Rio Maggiore and, and Tranazza and these places. I'll, I'll be back there in October. Just let me know if, if you can. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, let's do that. So. Um, I recently saw uh, you on Facebook, especially posting photos from places like the southwest U.S. and uh, northern Spain, I think it was. Uh, can you tell us something more about those trips? Sure. Um, so I, I used to live in the U.S. for many years. And um, so some of my favorite places are obviously the, the national parks uh, like Yosemite, Bryce Canyon, Zion Canyon. Um, and um, whenever I go to either San Francisco or Las Vegas for conferences, and that happens at least two or three times a year, um, as I said earlier, I typically add a few days and uh, and try to spend some time in some of the parks. Um, just recently, I was in Vegas uh, for a conference, and I said, "Well, I always wanted to spend some more time in Death Valley. I, I've been there. I drove through. It was too hot. I could hardly get out of the car. But this, because this was April, it was still sort of reasonably temperature-wise, uh, only like 35 degrees Celsius or so. Um, I just um, rented a car, um, and because Death Valley um, has only some campgrounds, you know, there's there's Furnace Creek, some some hotel, but very expensive. I said, "Well, I just rent." A big four by four, and I, uh, I I slept in the car before, and I wanted to do that again, and I did. I took a little uh, uh, a sleeping bag and a little mattress that I can can inflate, uh, put down the back seats, and I slept in the car directly in the dunes, so I could be there for sunrise, for sunset, and didn't have to move. Um, and I typically do that, um, you know, for many other parks. Um, sometimes you're you're allowed to do to actually sleep in the car, but. Um, uh, sometimes I just you know rent a little little cabin or something in, in Bryce Canyon uh, and something like this. Um, Spain was different. Uh, I always wanted to go to the north of Spain. Everybody goes to Costa Brava and Costa del Sol in the in the south uh, towards Malaga and Mabea and Sevilla and these places. Uh, but uh, this was uh, the Basque region uh, on the Atlantic in the north. 
Uh, fabulous area, absolutely fabulous. Um, I saw a documentary many years ago about a little mountain range called the Picos de Europa, which is a little bit like Dolomiti in Italy, a very small mountain range, uh, and then there obviously is you know the coast. And the, the mountain range is very close to the coast. You have beautiful beaches, small towns, obviously fantastic food up there in the Basque region. So we flew to Bilbao, uh, went to uh, Donostia, Santander, San Sebastian, and then uh, to all these little uh, beaches uh, and great coastal towns. And, um, yeah, I spend every morning, every afternoon uh, on some beach, on some mountain, uh, did some treks up the mountain, and it's absolutely gorgeous, this area. Um, so, in fact, um, um, this may be a good place for even one of our photo fox. So uh, I may suggest that. Yeah, that, so that's basically the Basque region of Spain. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You said we. So that was a, a family trip. Was uh, you were there with friends? That was a family trip. Uh, my wife and I uh, went went over there. Um, but uh, you know, Death Valley um, was sort of like a solo. I I do a lot of these solo trips because I sometimes go in the middle of the winter to the Arctic region. My wife isn't too crazy about that because it could be really, really, really cold. Um, so um, one of my favorite places here in Europe is the Lofoten Archipelago in the north of Norway. Um, and um, that's when I to be go in winter because you know, I want to shoot northern lights. And uh, uh, again, I sleep in the car. I need to have maybe a little bit extra padding because it can get really cold up there. Um, but um, yeah, well, if you want to take good pictures, you have to go to cool places when you actually can take the pictures. And, yeah, well, uh, we have many things in common. I mean, <laughs> we have wives who don't like cold climates. <laughs> well, <laughs> so when I went. But you live in Italy, at least. <laughs> yeah, it's not much warmer than Hamburg. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. But it's, uh, I mean, yeah, she she likes warm climates. And when I went to Norway in winter, she said, no, I'm, no way I'm coming with you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, last year, um, we actually decided we actually go in summer once. She said, uh, I want to know why you keep going up there. And obviously, she likes pictures mm -hmm. I'm taking out there. But, I mean, this is... Uh, this is just as uh, as gorgeous in summer, you know, all the fjords and uh, and uh, the little mountain ranges, and you can do some great hikes. Obviously, there is no northern lights. Well, there are northern lights; you just can't see them because obviously it needs to be really, really dark. Um, but um, uh, you know, it's just as as, as nice in summer. Uh, probably a few more mosquitoes and a lot more people that come up with campers and some of these you know big rig camper vans. Uh, so it's a little bit more busy. Um, but during the winter, you are basically there on your own. Uh, mm -hmm. You can go everywhere. There is a place. Uh, there is a, a, a rule that's called the Allemansrechten in, in, in Scandinavia, which means the, the every man's right. So you can you can camp everywhere you like, you know, unless you're kind of in somebody's driveway. But I mean, you can basically just stop your car directly at the beach and camp there. Uh, and that certainly is very interesting for. For photography, because you don't have any you know, yeah. people, people around the buildings or stuff like that. And you can actually sleep in your car. I mean, you don't risk freezing up <laughs> during the night. Uh, yeah, well, it can get really cold sometimes. You're snowed in a little bit, uh, but uh, you just need to prepare for that. So, um, and uh, yeah, extra layers, obviously. Um, but the funny thing is, I mean, it's it's during the night. I'm typically outside anyway because I want to shoot, uh, shoot night sky and shoot uh, uh, northern lights and things like that. And during the day, I for the most part I'm sleeping, mm -hmm. so um, it's kind of reversed. 
uh, or I going to the next places. So there's all these fantastic places like Egum and Unstadt and Utterklave and what they're all called. Um, very popular with the photography crowd. Uh, and in fact, there you meet other photographers. There, this is very popular for doing some photo workshops up in the north. And you know, sometimes you are on the beach, and then you know, another couple comes, and they're all taking out their tripods. And before you know it, you know, you're friends with them, and you talk about, have you seen this? Have you seen that? Have you been over there? So you get more tips from uh, from some of the other photographers you know, uh, in the region. You said you spend a lot of time in airports and planes. Do you ever use that time to organize and edit your pictures? What is your setup for that? Yes, uh, I have a, a MacBook Pro, a pretty hefty one uh, with lots of memory and lots of disk. Um, and uh, the, the first thing I do when I'm coming back from a shoot, I load all the things on my Mac, so I have it in two places. So I, I keep it on the cards. I have lots of cards that I can swap out. I always want to have my picture open in two places for backup reasons. Uh, once it's on the Mac, I do a little time machine backup, so I have it on a third disk. Uh, so whenever anything happens to it, I at least have it somewhere else. Um, if In Norway, it's even possible to sort of do an uplink uh, because of the, the really great um, cell connectivity that you have up there. So I... I store all the stuff in Amazon, um, off-site basically, um, and then um, I just have it secured. But then in the plane, I start chucking pictures. So uh, obviously, uh, as you know, um, when you take lots of pictures, you take a lot of crap pictures, <laughs> and, and you want to delete them as soon as possible because you, I don't want to just fill up the card and fill up the disk. Um, so I go there uh, maybe either in a hotel or in the plane, um, I go through all my images and start deleting. Um, and then, uh, you know, every once in a while, I maybe start editing one or two so I can maybe post it for, on Facebook or Google Plus or Twitter or some of my social media, Instagram. I'm, I'm bigger now on Instagram, I think. Um, so um, these are the places where I want to post a few things from the trip. So people know where I'm at and, and what I'm doing. Um, and uh, maybe somebody says, hey, I'm also there. And then you meet up. Happened, happened more than once. That says, hey, I didn't know you were in Sweden right now. I'm in such and such place. And then we meet up. It's kind of funny. Um, and um, when I'm home, I have at least uh, kind of cut down the number of, of images reasonably. Uh, maybe I deleted typically at least half of them uh, because they're either duplicates or they're just, you know, just bad pictures. Uh, and then, you know, I, I need to hopefully have some more time to really do the, the proper editing. Yeah. I use Lightroom, I use Photoshop, mm -hmm. I use uh, sometimes if I'm HDRing, I'm using uh, uh, some of the Aurora stuff from, from Trey, um, but I also use Photomatics. So I have a pretty, pretty solid workflow now. Um, I've been on Lightroom since version one, I think. Um, so I, I know this thing by heart. Do, do you post uh, to Instagram, do you post photos taken with your phone or do you take them with a quote-unquote proper camera, process them in Lightroom or Photoshop, then sync them with your phone for posting? I typically uh, only post edited pictures um, on Instagram. I, I have multiple Instagram accounts. I have one, one, one secret one that doesn't say my name and I wanted to see if I just take... 
uh, iPhone images and post them on Instagram. Well, I wanted to see, um, and these are decent pictures, right? Not super great, but I want to see whether anybody cares because mm-hmm. I mean, Instagram is for me is still a miracle um, for the most part. Uh, there are people that are posting fantastic pictures and have like zero followership, and then there are people that are posting cat pictures and pictures of their food all the time, but really bad pictures, and they have half a million followers. Mm-hmm. I sometimes I just don't get that. But um, no, I typically on my my main Instagram account, Andy Bitter Photography, I post you know real images, and these are obviously not taken at that time at that place. Um, so these are just more like a portfolio of stuff that I you know, just recently shot. Right. Uh, aside from Instagram, what are your main creative outlets? Uh, I mean, aside from social media in general, do you mostly shoot for yourself or do you shoot commercially? You sell pictures, you uh, use stock agencies? All of the above. Uh, I have a, a press pass, uh, so I shoot uh, concerts, for example, uh, for media outlets. Um, I But I also shoot more like quote unquote the fine art stuff that people put on the walls. Um, this is kind of making me you know, maybe enough money maybe to buy that next lens every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So I have a portfolio on my own website and I sell through um, uh, Fine Art America, which have um, you know, kind of cost some kind of recurring income there. Uh, it's not great. I mean, as you know, you it's very hard to live off that, mm-hmm. uh, that income. Um, so supporting a family is at least for me, is not possible just from photography. Um, but uh, you know, I sell some stock photography uh, on, on Getty and uh, and uh, some of those um, uh, those sites there. Yeah, you just anticipated my next question, which uh, would have been: uh, if you ever consider giving up your day job and taking up photography full time. But I guess you you already answered that. But maybe you want to expand a bit. Uh, yeah, I I wish I could right now. So um um and I I think the 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 problem is that I haven't started early enough. Um, so people that really are selling a lot of pictures now have, have started very early, really marketing themselves, and I really haven't for the, for the most part in the past. I've shot you know, for me and my family, um, and only maybe the last ten years where people say, "Well, I would like to have that on my wall," and I thought, "Well, maybe it's good enough." I, in, in the beginning, I was you know, very, very super humble. I never thought that anybody would like my pictures, other my mm-hmm. my my mom or my dad or some or my my kids. So. Um, uh, now it's you know when when you get some feedback um, either on the social media or because I even have an exhibition where people you know um, a, a large uh, consulting firm had about twenty images of my you know on my own big canvas prints big acrylic prints big metal prints the whole office is is like that and um, so that really made me really, really proud because that was the first time I really had a, my own exhibition with only my works. Um, and some people you know, thought, well, I would like to have that image maybe for my kitchen or something and, or my living room. And then they started buying them. And uh, that's really a nice feeling. But um, it's nowhere near the income that I would need to kind of you know, pay for the house and the yeah. car and the food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What, what is in your bag when you travel? What kind of equipment do you use? Do you ever think of uh, going a bit more lightweight? I kind of have, um, but uh, it, it, oh, 
Let, let me rephrase. I tried getting lightweight um, because I wanted to, you know, have a little mirrorless. I have a, a Fuji XT1 that I now take with a 16-55. In fact, tomorrow I'm picking up my 10 to 24. So um, for you know, a, sort of a lightweight, um, you know, little camera bag over the shoulder. I mean, that's just that's just good enough. If I do like city trips and I I'm in London, I just want to take a few pictures. Don't take a tripod, maybe a little gorilla pod if you like. But I mean, you know, this is it's very different. For the real photography tips, I carry I don't know 20 kilograms or I don't. What what is how much it is? Uh, two Canon bodies, uh, twenty four to seventy or one hundred five, and then a sixteen to thirty five is seventy to two hundred. One or two flashes, uh, lots of filter stuff. So I mean that adds up. Adds up. Um, I put it into either I have a big Tamarack bag, but for the most part I use the uh, an f-stop um, backpack right now, and um, that's. Um, reasonable if you travel with the car because you can just leave in the car but as I said in Spain when I went up the mountain um, then every once in a while I was saying damn this is a heavy backpack now because you also need to bring water and food and uh, and extra clothes so uh, yeah it's like an excursion Um, and then uh, the the size of the lenses and the weight of lenses that I mean it adds up and you cannot just leave uh, part of your equipment in a car in a parking lot at the trailhead <laughs> yeah I yeah, would recommend that <laughs> yes that's right well every once in a while I just leave some stuff maybe in the hotel um, if I or in, in the uh, I use Airbnb for the most part when I go to some of those places and, and sort of in the apartment or in the house um, so I'm okay with that but I mean then again if I bring a 7200 to Spain and I leave it in the hotel I mean what's the point of bringing it in the first place so uh, yeah, so that's typically what that's my setup. I I still shoot five Ds and one Ds, um, and um, these are heavy bodies too. Very good. You have been to many foreign countries, I assume. If you were to go back to one of those tomorrow, which one would you pick and why? Uh, whew, um, I have many favorite places. I obviously have a long bucket list. I believe I've been to 80 countries in the world now, so I'm trying to get to 100 before I die. But um, um, I think some of my favorite places are probably in Africa. Um, so that's Namibia, Botswana, um, just the, the, the landscapes there. Obviously, the wildlife there is just out of this world. Um, so these are obviously some of the dunes, the Kalahari, um, but also uh, Masai Mara in Kenya. So these are some of my favorite places landscape-wise, but I um, I do like um, southwestern U.S. I do like Peru, for example. Um, so there are many places outside of Europe uh, where I would love to go back to for some extended time. In Europe, um, as I said, up in northern Norway, this is probably one of my favorite places, Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, I and, and Iceland. So, I mean, again, all these typical photography places are certainly also very high on my list. Mostly you're into landscapes. Eh? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes. Um, um, my walls are filled with landscapes, uh, but I like cities too, right? So, I'm not a, necessarily a street shooter. I, I, every once in a while I do it, but really more for trying to figure out how to do it. So, um, I'm, I, I don't want to be put into a certain drawer say okay this is this is Andy's box and he only shoots that 
Um, I think I'm probably best known for landscapes because I, that's what I typically post on, on social media, but I shoot a lot of other stuff. I shoot, uh, I do fashion shoot with models here on, on TFB basis uh, regularly just because I like to interact with people. Uh, and, you know, landscapes don't talk back. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I you know, do you know, shoot and parts. Speaking of other bucket list you said before, which uh, just, just name one, which country or location would you like to go next uh, if you could leave tomorrow and money was not uh, an issue at all? Um, probably, I've been to New Zealand, but I've never been to the South Island. So mm-hmm. I think that's uh, certainly one area where I really want to go. You can go there and uh, ask Trey Radcliffe about uh, directions. Yeah, no, yeah exactly. He, he, I think he lives in Queenstown now. So yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, I've never met the guy, so I, I, I sent him a few emails and he sent some responses, but I, you know, I wouldn't say I know him. No, I, I met him a couple of times. He was also a guest on this show a few episodes back, and I know he's a very, very nice guy. I'm sure he would uh, welcome you with open arms. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was um, a very interesting conversation and uh, it's about time to, to wrap it up. So if you just want to let people know where they can find more about you online and maybe what's your next trip planned? You, well, you said you're, you're going back to the U.S. soon. but Yes, I'm actually I'm flying to, uh, to New York tomorrow, but then uh, I'm in San Diego for the most part of, of next week's. Um, you uh, can find it for summer plans, summer vacations, um, anything special? Not nothing. Something's planned right now. I I play by ear. Um, summer here in northern Germany, in the in Hamburg and Denmark and Sweden are very nice. Um, so typically we go when it's when the weather is more uh, dreary and gray. Then then when that's when we go. Um, we want to go to uh, to Japan. Um, so you know, spend some time in Japan. Uh, so that's sometime something maybe for later in the summer. Um, but um, so nothing immediate. Uh, I mean, photography wise, you can find me on on andybitter.com. Um, that's uh, my main website portfolio. I have a lot of galleries from various places. Um, I I am on Instagram on under andybitter uh, andybitter photography. Um, uh, I'm on Google Plus. I'm pretty much everywhere. I would think, uh, but I think my my main part outlet is right now is my own website, obviously, and uh, and Instagram. I'm on. That would be Andy Bitterer. That's A N D Y B I T T E R E R dot That's correct. Right. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. We'll put links in the in the blog post anyway, so people can uh, can go and find more about you. And uh, for now, I just would like to thank you for being our guest today. Uh, as I said, it's been very interesting and inspiring. <laughs> And uh, all the best for your next trips. Thank you for having me, Hugo. And I'll see you uh, well on the circuits on yeah. our next photo walk. I hope so. I sure hope so. All right. See you Thank soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.